Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, it's While You're Waiting. The winner, the runaway winner. While you're waiting, was running backwards to the finish line, looking at the other contestants in our latest Patreon poll, just saying like, what? Like flexing its muscles and just like real poor sportsmanship on the part of while you're waiting. When we were talking about what we thought was going to win, I definitely bet on the wrongest horse. I brought on the I bet on the horse that like had a broken leg and was just not really interested in competing. Yeah. Which was the Halloween cover. I thought people were gonna be really stoked on that one. Not that there's no reason to be stoked about while you're waiting, but uh yeah, I was uh patently wrong there. Hey, welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. His name is David Anthony. Fact. He's the host. It me, baby. I'm Tim Crisp. I am his associate producer. I'm his call screener, his intern, his uh, publicist, his delivery boy. Uh, hey, welcome to our podcast about Alkaline Trio. We are here to talk about a a real freaking doozy mm-hmm. of a track, and it's a track that was selected by our Patreon subscribers. That's a thing you get to do if you donate to our Patreon is, what is it, every three weeks? Every three weeks, we throw a poll up there of four tracks. You pick the one that you want to win, and sometimes the one that everybody wants is the one that we talk about. And that's what happened. Uh, you can vote, and people, boy, did they vote for Over this at, one. Over at patreon.com slash as you were. Yes, uh-huh. um, where you can... You know, also, as we discussed last week, we got our Is This Thing Cursed listening party, which was super fun. Let us know if you like that and you want us to do more stuff like that. We've got a uh, another idea in the hopper that's somewhat similar. Yeah, I got I got a hopper. I got a few hoppers full of espresso beans over at Buzz Coffee Roaster and Baker in Logan Square. Come visit me. If you're in Chicago, visit Tim, get a drink, and give him a nice little tip. Hey, um, but... Something that's very exciting about this particular episode is that we are now tying a bow mm-hmm. on a release for the first time. We, yeah. we are finishing off the Alkaline Trio and Hot Water Music split. We've talked about Queen of Pain. We've talked about Rooftops, the Hot Water Music cover. And something that you brought up in the Rooftops episode that I kind of dodged a little bit just because i wasn't fully prepared to have the conversation that i'm prepared to have now is is this the best split of all time i mean so before we discuss like there's one that i think looms large over every discussion about splits and that is faith and void um I think from a historical perspective, from a quality perspective, it's hard to not put that as number one. And yeah, I think the, the every sp- split release that followed is looking back at that one as just being the prototype. It's, it's the one that, that writes 
the fucking rule book. Yeah, but I do think this one serves a civil similar purpose for a different generation, right? Like what the Faith Void one did was show kind of two different tenets of hardcore that were coexisting and kind of spawning at the same time and both really functioning at a high level. Uh, I think this one for, you know, kind of what is that early 2000s pop punk post hardcore borderline emo scene, this this does a similar thing. It does in a lot of ways. And even though Faith and Void were new bands at the time, Alkaline Trio and Hot Water Music are a little bit more firmly established, mm-hmm. but they're established in slightly different sects of pop punk and the reason that those two are working together i think it's because they toured together yeah and they toured together and they played together a lot there were famously shows at the fireside where like they would have to do two shows in a day when they played together one alkaline trio headlining one hot water headlining where it was like a matinee and a night you know that's how big they were at the time which is like grand fireside wasn't huge but they would pack hundreds of kids in twice a day and these bands were not getting any real attention outside of underground music you know like they were both bubbling up and really uh, you know prior to this functioning at a really high level like those hot water music records up through no division i love those are my some of my favorite alkaline Shear records and this to me was huge because i liked both bands a ton and i really loved both sides of the split and yeah. you, you can much like faith void you can debate what's better or what's worse but i think they complement each other really really well absolutely and i think that you know as as functional as faith and void was of both of these bands have uh enough songs for a release well put one of them on one side of a 12 inch yes. and put the other this is a little bit more of like we're we're friends we play shows together but we're also kind of dissimilar yes i had heard of hot water music but this was my first exposure to them and the alkaline trio gave that to me just as i'm sure it did for countless of hot water music fans oh absolutely i mean with hot water being i guess one could say the more established band having been around longer more records out i could see it going both ways but alkaline trio was the hotter commodity i think definitely um and you know both sides have covers that i love that i think rival the originals both have at least one song that i would put in my all-time top five if not top 10 for each band um it's just it's really really strong um you know we've talked about it a lot but there, there is a lot to unpack with with these songs and with these releases and you know when i ask that question of you know is this the best split of all time like that's hard to say because there are so, so many good ones. And there are so many different examples. Like, I love the ones where bands do the cover of the other band. I think that's a cool thing. Um, you know, really, I think there's that open door of, like, do collaborations count? How much does that bleed the line? There's great examples of that, you know, throughout history. So it, it is hard. And I think it's something that, like, one I've always – the one style I've, I've also really appreciated is when it's, like, two bands that do not at all fit together doing a split. I think right. that's such a cool thing. Sometimes it really works. Sometimes it's more of a novelty, but I do think it is pretty tight. Um, so yeah, I mean, when it comes to splits, there's there's a lot to unpack, but this is one that's that's been up there for me forever to the point where if we're going to have a discussion about the best ones, I feel like this and Faith Void 
need to be in their own arena because to not include them in my top three would just be like then talking about one other thing. So how about you and I, rather than do a top three, Mm -hmm. we do a top five and we've already established the top two. Okay. Yeah. I, I can roll with that. So, um, what I would like to put on there and I'm not going to put these in order of rank. I'm going to put them in order of starting with the alkaline trio and hot water music split as just like a, a launching off point. Uh, one that would be in my top five, uh, is actually the next Jade tree split release, which is between my morning jacket and songs Ohio in 2002 which is so fascinating that that's like the following thing on Jade Tree and again two bands that had like no connection to that label really right and no real connection even to that world I can't think of a Jade Tree release save for like the promise rings wood water that, that was even on like Jade Tree functions Oh, it wasn't? No. That's oh. when they moved to, I think, Epitaph or Anti. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is weird, right? That is super weird. It makes no sense. And then, no like, sense. fucking open for Bad Religion, and oh, that went poorly. On that tour? Yeah, it did oh, not go great. Man. It's a big part of the reason that things ended. Interesting. That is a record that got shit on so hard, and I think is great. I still don't like it, but I fucking love Maritime, so what do I know? Um,. My Morning Jacket and Songs Ohio, and this is kind of an interesting time in both of those bands' careers because this is one year before they would make monumentally important records, mm-hmm. probably like the the top of the top for each of them. My Morning Jacket the next year would make It Still Moves, and Songs Ohio would make the Magnolia Electric Company record where they went and just changed the name of the project to Magnolia Electric Company. Yeah, I admittedly have never been a big My Morning Jacket person, and I'm a little ignorant of them. So My Morning Jacket is kind of an interesting case because at this point, they're kind of your prototypical like festival band. I think sure. someone described them as Bonnaroo the band. In, yeah, basically. <laughs> and that's pretty apt even though i still find their records to be interesting they are like sort of their music to like go and take acid and watch um that's how i've always understood it which is why i never really dove in it still moves i think is kind of a a really great spot where they are about as neil young as they'll ever be okay and also the magnolia electric company is about as neil young as uh jason molina gets sure but pre it still moves my morning jacket is kind of like a lo-fi like sort of weird project huh and there is a lot of songs on there that are just like home recording uh jim james just like singing in hallways just like using natural reverb um, and you know, moving forward, they become more of like a big rock band. And this is kind of when they're starting to veer into that territory. And, you know, they've got three really great tracks on here. And then the songs, Ohio song, the one songs, Ohio song on the release is 10 minutes long and it's 
really prodding it's really dark and it's really sad yeah um songs of ohio is one that i i appreciate more in magnolia electric company like i really like that record really like didn't it rain like, and this is in between the two yeah um so like th- this one does kind of uh you know i know the songs of ohio song but i've never listened to the my morning jacket side which is weird um you should and i think yeah that, like it's actually like tennessee fire is kind of like primo my morning jack content which precedes this yeah i feel like it's something that i would appreciate more now and and maybe i need to give my morning jacket a, a go but i do think this is an interesting thing because like i what i like about you know the the hot water one and the alkaline cheer one is that like you kind of catch the bands going in different directions. It's like this start of something new. Yeah. And it, it seems like that's definitely the case for, for that one. So I think, I think that's a cool pick. And I think it's, it does a cool thing of capturing bands kind of on parallel thought tracks, um, but still doing their own thing. Definitely. You know, uh, I want to pick something that is one that I've always really liked um, bands that I both enjoy. And I think, you know, in varying degrees, which is a small brown bike casket lottery split, which I just sold on Discogs for twelve dollars. Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> big fan of that because I like how collaborative it is. I really appreciate that. It's like even on the small brown bike slide, uh, the, the casket lottery dudes are playing, vice versa. I love the under pressure cover of them all playing together and doing this very like loving recreation of that. It's uh, really fun. And that, like, at the original Small Barn Bike last show at the Fireside, Casket Lottery opened, and then they did that together. And I think it's just got a cool piece of lore. Um, I think it's really fun. I think there's cool stuff on both sides. And I like I like when bands are willing to do that of, like, oh, well, that's not just, like, you know, these are the three songs we wrote, and these are the three or four songs they wrote. Let's put them together. I like when there is that kind of creative push and pull of, like, let's get in the studio and do it together. Let's like treat this like an album being done by everybody, you know? And I think, I think that's a cool vibe. I I really like that. That's the approach to it. And I've loved a lot of, uh, you know, quote unquote splits that have followed in that, especially in the heavier realm with bands like the body and full of hell. And now who I think all have done that in really, really incredible ways. And if you've not heard those, like, I think like the first thou and the body split, which closes with coward, the Vic chestnut cover is like one of the coolest things it's ever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to say small run biking casket, casket um, lottery. And, and this is one that I think like sort of fits into that Thursday and envy do mm-hmm. a split in 2008. And what I love about that record is that Thursday is at this point, an enormous band sure i think that their decision to do a split with envy is very much just out of the amount of respect that they have for that band and what they do yeah and i mean envy is a band i love i think around this time thursday also did that split with jesu yeah um which is also really cool the justin Envy did a split with oh envy did that's right um which makes a lot more sense um but yeah, the Thursday Envy split is really cool, and especially it captures Thursday moving out of the popular phase of their career into this like I don't want to say second act, maybe even third act, where they're like, well, they do getting a lot. weirder. It's interesting because I think that I think that Thursday's side of this split is much stronger than Envy's, but the best Thursday songs on here are them just doing envy no totally totally and i think that's that's what's cool about it is i like how much it's them they are so reverential uh 
of envy that they're like, we are going to try and do that thing and show people who maybe write us off as being, you know, the Victory Records, MTV2, pop screamo band uh, that we have more depth. And honestly, like, I think Thursday catches a lot of shit a lot of the time, but I think their later material is really cool. Like, I think No Devolution, when they're doing, like, their Mogwai worship thing, yeah. it's kind of tight. Like, when they, when it's just like, we like Sigur Rós a lot. It's like, all right, well. I will admit that I dropped off after... But I think after this release, uh, but War All the Time didn't really do it for me. Me and neither. I think I like moved into a, a different phase of life to where I wasn't really paying attention to Thursday releases as they were coming out. Sure. Um, thank you for saying the thing about the release that I wanted to say at the beginning, but wasn't doing very well with. I appreciate you for that. Uh-huh. Um, so this is where it gets hard for me because there's a lot I would consider... Um, it's tough, but I think I'm going to go... I'm going to throw in a curveball, which was one we've not discussed. The Converge Agoraphobic Nosebleed Split LP, oh, The Poacher okay. Diaries. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's no secret that I love Converge, but I love that material because it's capturing them moving into what is going to be the Jane Doe era. So what year is this? This is 99, maybe 2000. Okay. So it's, it's you know... You put that over the Converge Drop Dead split from 2001? I, well, that's not from 2001. That's from way later. Oh. Because uh, the Converge Drop Dead and the Converge Napalm Death split, both of which are great, uh, came out when Converge was doing their 25th anniversary thing. Oh, okay. okay. Um, both of which are sick. And Converge has a lot of good splits. Uh, the Hellchild one's really tight. Um, and I like a lot of the weirdo material from this era of like, the Y2K 7-inch by Converge is one of my favorite things. That Disintegration cover by The Cure is fucking amazing. I'd like to hear that. Um, I just never put on... We talked about it yeah, on Patreon that just... They, they, they've never been the thing for you. People just um, want to talk about how talented they are, and I don't want to talk about how talented anybody is. But uh, I really like this because it's really unhinged. It's starting to move into that like weird period of them like really just establishing themselves as their own kind of thing. I think there's some fucking weird songs on here that are cool. And Gorephobic Nosebleed, I think, is kind of under underrated. They get kind of overlooked because they share members with Pig Destroyer who get, like, much more acclaim. But I think Gorephobic Nosebleed does something cool, and I think th- this complements each other well and, and does a good job of feeling, again, like a full album with each band contributing, like, you know, five or six or more songs, you know, like... um I kind of always forget about it, and then when I put it on, I, I remember how much I enjoy it. Uh, and I think I need to include it just for being foundational for me and, like, being a good example of, like, following in that tradition of, you know, I think both bands kind of trying to rise to the occasion because they're going up against someone that they really respect, Yeah, you know? I think that that's kind of a – that's an exciting part of it, too, is that when you get two bands that are coming together, everybody's trying to not – outdo each other but outdo each other yeah um my last pick uh it's the the most recent uh pick that i have it's glockamora and summer vacation so good i think is it's a really interesting pairing because you have the in my opinion the best california pop punk band of the of the aughts sure yeah um and then you have Glockamora, who is part of the Philly emo thing. Mm-hmm. And those two bands really don't have anything in common other than Chris DiBettadetto, who's saying, 
you two are the two best bands in the world and you should totally together totally and i mean yeah it's just kind of like both those bands were so special at that time we're both on such a hot streak great record great release like uh, and i it's it's two of my favorite glockamora tracks because it's they are starting to veer into the territory that spirit of the beehive would go in but Mm -hmm. it's still got like a sort of there's a presence to it that's just like a lot more desperate than a lot of the spirit of the beehive stuff is it's still got it's, a it's lot a of more that, gut like, level yeah well, you know as we've discussed with spirit of the beehive before on on other podcasts uh i'm not as into them as a lot of people and i think it's because a lot of times they're getting in their own way a little bit and it's tr- it's trying a little too hard to be heady and and getting lost in the weeds that said i think their new record is the best version they've done of been able to like build their own detours and find their way back but Glockamora was great because I think they, you know, especially on that last EP, were really starting to flirt with like, how do we divert out of this? Yeah. And totally. and this kind of is a transitional point. And Summer Vacation were just great. They wrote simple songs that just hit so hard, were so effective, never overstayed their welcome. And that's a hard thing to do in a, in a crowded field that is pop punk. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, you know... There was a lot of ways I could have gone with my last pick. There's a lot of things we talked about. And this is one that I just remembered and it needs to be included because we, we talked about it. I was like, oh, maybe I'll do a spaz release because they did a lot. And I love the Bronson so one. Uh, and I love the 25 to life split because it's like such a weird pairing. And I really enjoy that. And you know what? I'm going to go with one that wild card, the discount J church split. Um, because I love Discount dearly, and their side is all Billy Bragg covers, which they Whoa, do okay. fucking incredibly. Uh huh. Um, their version of like Waiting for the Great Leap Forward is incredible. Uh, Discount is a pop punk band that I truly loved, and like the fact that they've kind of been ridden out of history because of Allison Moss Hart's desires. Um, make our art is really fascinating and sad i believe the j church that i've never listened to it is all elo covers um you don't need to well that's probably the most interesting thing that j church has ever done so all those records sound good they're wildly uninteresting yeah it's this one is one where it's like kind of the opposite thing where instead of loving both sides i just so deeply adore the one side of it that and it has meant so much to me because i was I heard it as I was getting into Billy Bragg and just like Allison's vocals on it and the way they do this kind of pop punk cover of the folk thing without doing the pop cheesy. punk cover of the folk thing. Yeah, like it's just really special and it speaks to that other kind of thing where it's like it's a little bit of a novelty, but it really works for me. And um, those those are, you know, ones that like were just so foundational to me that while there's bands that have done great splits in the modern day, like I would be I would be frightened if I didn't pretend that that's something I've played to death. Hell yeah! All right, so I'm glad we I'm I'm glad we got to have that discussion. Um, now that we're 23 minutes in, let's talk about the song that we came to talk about yeah. while you're waiting, um, which is I think a point that you brought up when we did a little pre-pro, which is a good point to start with. The fact that this sits in between. Queen of Pain, which is a 
single. It's it's such a standout track, and it's probably near the top of most people's lists. Rooftops, such a great cover. Yeah. And while you're waiting, maybe gets passed over a little bit and all I, of that. Growing up, it definitely did with me and my friend group. Like, not me, because I always really liked it. But I do think, you know, this, we all really like this release. And I think everyone loved Queen of Pain. People love the Rooftops cover. And I do know, like, and I do remember, like, driving around, like, CD copy this in the car. This one would start and people would sometimes hit the skip button. Yeah. Um. And I can't really say why that is, but I think it's because it's sandwiched between those. And even on Remains, it really falls in line with a lot of bangers that are happening. And I think maybe it... it, Some of that old school reasons effect. That's what I was going to say is like, I think for some people it's just like, uh, you know, it's sandwiched between so much. It can't help but feel minor. But like when I hear this song and listening to it again before we started, like it's really, really strong. And there's so many great, elements in it that i think if you just played it for someone devoid of that i can't imagine they would if they're a fan of this band i can't imagine they would look at it and be like mm, no well in the context too of like being surrounded by bangers and if you're driving around you want to listen to the bangers and this is a song that you kind of listen to by yourself and you really sit with it um i would say that like just as a composition, it is probably my favorite vocal melody that Matt has ever written. This song yeah. flows so unbelievably from the first word into the chorus. He is just, you're just really following along, and he's doing interesting things. He's fitting in words just so precisely mm-hmm. and i mean i know that i've said this so many times over but his voice on this it's just so perfect and i think for yeah, this song yeah. with what he's talking about and the way his his voice in particular is going through that melody it's just it really gives me chills yeah i mean i feel that way about basically everything on their side of this like I think his vocal performances on this uh, in Queen of Pain specifically are so good. I, I love the tones they get. I love how it's not super labored over. It's not super slick. Um, and it sounds very much like these were just written in a vacuum. I Possibly about the same thing. Uh, I love his lyrical perspective on these things of and Queen of Pain being very involved in trying to help and knowing he can't. Whereas this is much darker he's much more removed from the situation and i think there's a lot of material at this time where he's dealing with watching people he cares about uh in varying degrees all kind of unraveling and having very difficult moments in their lives and you hear it so much in how he delivers it just the yeah just the strain of it um and you know this is a song that when this came out, this is when me and all of my friends in high school were so into this band. We were, I think, really, if there's if there was a band for the group, it was the Alkaline Trio. And this is a song that when it came out, I think, you know, we talked about it on Bleeder. Like, I was going through a lot in high school, and I think that that was, like, what made all of our friends closer was that we were all going through the issues of Mm -hmm. being 16 years old and 
self-harm and 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 depression and eating issues that people were having and and this was kind of the song that I thought about each one of my friends individually as just being taking in Matt's perspective of this and just wanting to let everybody know you know my shoulders and ears are all Mm -hmm. yours my dear and I think that everybody identified with being in that same exact place of thinking of each one of us individually when they're hearing this song. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say, like, it's it's nice to hear that because from my perspective of it always being more minor, it's nice to know that, like, the subject matter it's dealing with, you know, there's those weird songs where, like, so many people point to, like, oh, that's the one that helped or that's the one that tied it together. It makes perfect sense why this one did because it's so clearly about, you know, suicide. Yeah. Um, and the fact this one doesn't, I feel, get discussed as much in, in terms of their, you know, really high caliber material or they're really just like evocative and personal material is kind of a shame because I, I see how much it has that power. And when I listen back to it now, by the end, it's such a fucking heartbreaking song. You know, we, we were discussing like, particularly what we think the bridge means. And I think that really can color how you view it. You know, I think some people can see that as being him, like doing almost like the Sadie thing of being like, I'm telling a story about a murder or whatever. Where really, I think he's kind of unraveling what sticks with you from inherited trauma. Yeah. And how that informs your view of the world and how, it really kind of affects your own feelings about yourself and these things that you can't really shake. And uh, the very end of it's just so um, raw to me that like when I hear it and hearing it, even when we listen to it together, like it did hit me more than I was prepared for. I kind of forget about the place the song goes to. Yeah. I mean, we, when you get to that bridge, I mean, I think that I've always had a feeling of like, am I supposed to take this literally? And is this, is this event something that, you know, happened after all of this is, you know, has gone down, you know, the story that's already been told about this person, like dealing with so much difficulty and strain. Does this happen on top of that? Or is this kind of like, this is what happens at the beginning. And, and I, I think that it's one of the, one of the strengths of this song is that you don't really have to understand or know exactly how literal this is supposed Mm -hmm. to be, even though it is like kind of the most um, in your face sort of thing that he, that he says in it. It's like, Oh, you witnessed your family being murdered. Even, even though it is like that, that up front, you don't necessarily have to take it as literally as, as it is presented. It's kind of just like, Oh my God. Like, like, yeah, it's, it's not something that you can relate to on the surface of this doesn't happen to everybody, but yeah, you can, you can feel that type of pain just the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I I'm only now realizing, and this is not to like divert course really heavily, but I think I wonder how much uh, my view of the song was like kind of repressed at the time, you know, especially when he's getting into the like 
you know, the contemplating from your ceiling part, like, um, you know, having lost a friend to suicide that same year, you know, shortly after this came out, I do wonder how much like it went for me dealing with the song in an abstract sense to that in a very real sense, you know? And, um, it's a song that I feel more than a lot of them, my opinion and, and the place in my life with it has really changed based on where I'm at and, and really is, is, uh, you know, reframed how I felt in that moment about the things I've gone through more than a lot. Unlike a bleeder, which is so raw, this one, I think sometimes I can listen to and really just enjoy for what it is. And there's other days where it's like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. You know, you're, um, you're kind of like transplanted back into, into the thing that, that has marked your own experience and your own ability to, to handle things. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, listening to it, I think it's why hearing this song and and looking at this release, like it's why it may not be the one I put on the most because I feel so close to it. But when I do it, it always remains uh, a really like cornerstone and foundational part of, of my experience with this band and, and reminds me of, kind of how just you know uh powerful music can be when it hits you in the right moment and something that you know it doesn't feel like i don't look back on this you know what is it 16 years later and think like oh that was just like some kid shit that i needed like no it's it's still very powerful to me it's so fucking real and i think that like i think that one of the real strengths of this song is you know it's got that melody that just allows itself to be kind of repeated with slight changes as far as the first verse and the second verse. And there's enough difference in the chorus that like you kind of keep the momentum flowing. But once you get into the bridge and you get into the last verse where it's, you know, as upfront as it is in a line, like contemplating you're hanging from the ceiling, it's, it's a really powerful moment and it's one that is very, very earned, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can't, you can't come out with lines like that at the forefront, but he presents himself in such an empathetic way, such a, just, it's just a powerfully magnetic, uh, opening four fifths of this song Mm -hmm. that when you get to that part, it's just like, Oh my God, like this isn't just, this isn't just about feeling sad and writing a song because you need to write a song. This is, this is as real as it gets. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an image at the end that it's, it's a tough listen, but it's good and it's, it's important and it's powerful. And he, I think, really i think he really smartly hits on the emotion of being on the other side of that and yeah even saying like can't help hating you for having that feeling mm-hmm. that's not a judgment no 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 it's a very personal thing and i think like it's the type of thing when you live it you very much understand it it's not like uh it's not judgmental and it's not harsh but it's it's based out of love yeah. And it doesn't it sounds strange to say that but I think if you know it you you get that. And even though Matt has had this perspective the the entire time of being being the rock for this person mm-hmm. this person does something for him too and that's that's what goes into 
you know, needing you. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not a judgment because I think that you're taking like the easy way out. It's yeah. like, it's like, no, like you, you don't understand. I, I need you. I miss you. Mm-hmm. I already miss you, which is just such a fucking perfect way to end this track. It's like, it's like, fuck, like we, we both got to get through this and we can please, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to, to downshift to something a little less heavy, like the thing I really, that really drives that home for me is the way the band plays around him. You know, like there's a lot of open space in the verses. Dan's backing vocals on some of those lines makes it hit that much Oh my God, in that second chorus. Yeah, it's huge. Derek's drumming, especially early on, is incredible. But like it it really, there was a commitment to, you know, I don't want to say Matt not having a fully formed thing, but there is so much of them lifting him up. Yes. And hit them elevating what he's getting across. And I think, you know, that works for the song, but it also works in extending the metaphor of what he's talking about, of like having these people who are going to prop you up when you need it, when you're struggling, when you, or, you know, even when these unfortunate things happen of these people who maybe weren't as close to it, but are going to share in it and try to help you through it. That's how I've kind of always viewed it. Like, I think so often you know, that can be seen as reading too much into it. But I do think people are intentional of like trying to make musical choices and trying to make these elements match the tone and tenor of what they are singing about. And I think this is a very good example of when a band is able to do that on on kind of every level from concept on down. Yo, and yeah, like the dynamic shifts and all of that, they all help to like punctuate, you know, the band drops out during the verses in order for him to just have like front and center attention on like this is what I'm talking about and I need I need as little uh around me in order to just say this and to communicate it in in the way that I need to do it. I need Absolutely. to be saying this quietly and you know the feedback and guitars do really really good job in the way that they both drop out at perfectly punctual parts where he can just be like, you've been known to say that you're okay when you're mm-hmm. feeling sick inside. Um, and yeah, man, Dan's bass is so perfect. It's so warm. It's also, you know, that typical like tonal thing. Uh-huh. And yeah, I love that they keep the first chorus quiet. And I love that they keep the second one or they bump up in the second one as much as they can and really just drive home everything that needs to be stated in this song. It's to me, it's as good as it gets. Well, with that in mind, what do you rate this song, Tim? Five out of five. Four and a half out of five for me. And I respect that. And this is one that I think it did so well in the poll Mm -hmm. because I think that for a lot of people that this is the one that's, that's just there Yeah, and it doesn't get talked about as much, but it's special and it's, it's something that you get to hold close to you Mm -hmm. and you get to, you get to say like, wow, it's, this is mine. This is, this is mine and whoever I'm thinking about forever. Absolutely. Um, Hey, uh, it's always very nice to, to have 
you over. Likewise, thanks for having me in your home to share this, um, to share songs like these and and memories, good and bad, that are that are attached, or maybe not good and bad, but sure, good and uh, a different type of good. Yes. Um, thank you all so much for for listening and for continuing to hit us up with you know your own attachments and your own stories that's really meaningful to us it's it's just so nice to hear that that this is doing something good for you as well um you can subscribe to it on apple stitcher we're on patreon patreon.com slash as you were i would say that the conversation that we had for the first half of this is a type of conversation that we are exploring in long form on the Mm -hmm. Patreon more and more often. It's something that we really like to do. Uh, This is probably a good time to shout out the ax to grind fellas who gave us some love uh, on their latest Patreon episode. We love those guys. We love what they're doing over there. And if you're interested in the type of conversation that we had at the top, we would very much encourage you to go over there because they do it better than anyone. Mm -hmm. But as far as the Alkaline Trio game goes, we're the kings. We got it on lock. We are on the top of the mountain. And I tell you what, you can come as strong as you want. Here we go. Ain't nothing going to push us over, baby. We're the kings. And that's the way it is. We will see you next week, Jokers, Clowns, and Bubba's. I'm the Shockmaster. <laughs> right before your eyes, they took it off of me. Come down.